0: Hey, what's up, everybody? It's Jesse, and you are listening to Ironclad's Built for More podcast, a show where we talk to elite performers from a variety of disciplines. Everyone from CEOs and endurance athletes to military special operators and filmmakers. And we have today a really, really cool, interesting guest. Uh, He's an entrepreneur, a YouTube star, and he's the founder of the custom building company, Rural Renovators. But before Kyle Stumpenhorst garnered a massive online following for his work creating post-frame buildings, He actually worked at an IT job, but he dreamed of getting out from behind the desk, and he started pursuing his passion of being a builder. Today, we get to hear Kyle's story, how he made a career pivot, how he created a YouTube channel with nearly a half million subscribers, and what he said when HGTV came calling. Here is Kyle Stumpenhorst. what what i think is interesting one of the things that's interesting about your story you have you have a computer science degree right
1: that's correct yeah
0: and yet so so you went to you went to college you got a computer science degree and now what you're doing it building creating content you know kind of working with your hands it's very relational in other words nothing a, like what a computer, complete opposite yeah yeah exactly so tell me a little bit about one why you can why you studied computer science and why when you graduated, you're like, "Hey, I kind of want to pivot and do something else."
1: you know I was always pretty geeky growing up. I just liked technology, and I was I think at the age where I mean we were born and the Nintendo came out then yeah. you know computers became available and I just was intrigued by the technology and I loved it. I loved tinkering um and my dad worked for a t and t Bell Labs uh growing up, which he was a computer programmer, self-taught, never went to college, just started yeah. in the mailroom and worked his way up to doing database project management and what have you. And so I saw that as I want to be like my dad. I want to get yeah. in technology, you know. Uh so I I pursued it and I was lucky to n- live in kind of this close to Chicago corridor and there was a booming area called Naperville which had a lot of tech businesses and a small college that was pretty good. So I went there Got my computer science degree and I had a job full time before I even graduated, uh, doing IT work. I was uh, running a department with one other guy when we were in charge of like six companies, oh, their wow. IT. Wow. Yeah, across like three different uh three different places. So we had to travel around. It was, it was a it was a pretty big job for what I guess, you know, coming out of college. And it didn't take a year to realize that the office life, the commuting into the city, um, it was going to drive me nuts, man. Like yeah. I, I felt like I didn't get any gratification at the end of the day. I was an athlete growing up too. I did college athletics, and you know, hard work equated to success. Yeah. And in the corporate world, hard work doesn't necessarily equate to anything other than just sometimes you're spinning your wheels because you aren't in control of your dying, you know, your uh, your destiny at all.
0: Yeah. So so so, so you you kind of had. What what sport did you play? Just out of curiosity, Kyle. Well, in
1: college, I was a, I was a pole vaulter. Believe it or oh, not. Oh wow! I started oh. as a decathlete and then did pole vault mainly at my end of my career. Yeah,
0: I have a, I have a buddy that uh he went to UVA, University of Virginia, on a pole vaulting scholarship, and I know the one thing I know about that sport in particular is there's a point of no return if you're going to be successful, like. During every, from what I understand about the sport, and I've never, <laughs> I've never attempted pole vaulting. It looks terrifying, but there's a point in kind of, uh, every run where it's either you're fully committed or you bail. 100%. And, and, and if you don't have that 100% commitment and trust in your equipment, in your methodology, in your training, you're probably not going to clear the bar and you might even hurt yourself. How did 100- you is that pretty accurate?
1: No, that's 100%. And that's one thing that my coach, see, I, believe it or not, I didn't do track in high school. So it wasn't available at my school. I told you in the, you know, kind of talking to you earlier, I graduated with 19 people. We didn't have track. I went to school to play basketball, football at the college, and I didn't like the program. So I just, I needed to do something because I just like competition. And so I did track and my coaches instantly were like, Kyle, what's great about you is that you have no bad habits, right? Mm. So this was a a track program that was top notch, country, you know, nationally ranked, and they they just said, you know, if you do what we tell you, you have no bad habits, you can you can excel. And I thought, well, I'm gonna trust in these guys, and he said every time, like, you never run through, you don't, you know, a lot of guys it gets in their head, they're going at a high bar and they run through every time you come down that runway, you've got to plant your pole in the box, and you got to take it up, and that's just the mentality that, um, you know, I was taught. I guess for those four years. And it really, it's a, it's a mentality that you should have in probably anything.
0: Yeah. I was gonna say how like formative was it outside of track? Because there's a lot of things in life where you know, that the stakes are reasonably low. Like if you, you know, there's a lot of people who will get a job right out of college and they're just not feeling it and they'll bail or they're, or, you know, they're in a relationship and they'll bail. How formative was it to have that experience where you're running with a pole and you plant it in the box, and you have to clear something. And if you're not one hundred percent dedicated, you could actually hurt yourself. How formative was that in w- when you kind of fast forward and look back professionally?
1: yeah, I mean, so when i when I realized that I wasn't going to be able to handle being in an office for the next forty years, I mean, you know you think about that. that's even miserable anyway. Uh, whether you like it or not. Uh, I had my firstborn. I'd just been married um, to my high school sweetheart. We had a kid that was on the way and i knew that like now was the time to commit it was either i needed to stop doing this working for the man every day and and do something that does bring me joy um and i just happened if we're gonna get into this part of the story i just happened to um have bought a house i actually bought this house my last senior year in, in college um not because uh I thought that I was going to get into a career of the trades, but this house needed a ton of work. It was my my wife's family, our big farmers in the area. They had bought a piece of farm ground like 20 years ago that had this old house. It was kind of a, an iconic house in the neighborhood. Everybody knew about it. It was old and it was really cool, but hadn't been lived in for 50 years. And we bought it from my in-laws and my dad, who had done remodeling like his whole life. Once again, like me and him were always kind of. You know, together growing up, I'd follow him around and, and I'd do things uh I'd help him remodel the house that we were living in, and that's all I knew was remodeling and so when this house came up, my dad's like, "Dude, we can do this like I'll show you how to do it and i I knew I enjoyed it from my dad, you know back when I was younger, so we just started and it took me about two years and so this two year period of working on this house um i was I was working at this i t job realizing I didn't like it and uh I just knew that, you know what, um, I could do this. I like working with my hands. I like tearing something down, rebuilding it. And you can see that gratification almost instantaneously because um, it happens and it's in front of you and it's, it's tangible. You can touch it, you can feel it. So uh, I knew I had to commit if that's what I was going to try to do. Um, and my wife, I remember to this day, my in laws, like, you know, a lot of people are like, Kyle, you got a good job. You went to college, spent yeah. six figure type money to go to your college you're going to go do construction. It doesn't have a good positive theme behind it, you know?
0: Yeah. Well, I I feel like there's a lot of people listening to this right now. That's like, dude, I am in that boat. Like I, I put, uh, you know, all my chips on kind of one number. And it was like, I'm going to be an accountant. I'm going to be a salesperson. I'm going to, you know, all good, noble jobs, but maybe they get there and they're like, I just don't like it. I don't get that sense of fulfillment. And so you were at a place where you had a solid job, you you were educated, you had a college degree, but you get in there and you're just not, you know, day to day. It's just kind of, you you don't have that sense of fulfillment. You're working on your own home and you're really enjoying the process. Tell me about kind of the next step where you're like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to pivot professionally and also sort of were, were there any degrees of self-doubt? Because you you mentioned you had a kid on the way at the time, right? You know,
1: so I'm pretty fortunate because two things. One, my wife is a hardworking person also. She had her teaching degree, so she had accepted a position as a teacher, which doesn't have great starting pay, don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it was something to fall back on. My father-in-law, he's once again a farmer. And during the transition, it just happened to be fall time, I... um. I moved into the field work with him for a couple months while things were going. And, uh, I really enjoyed that too. And I probably could have went that route had I really, really wanted to, but once again, it was like stepping into someone else's success, not creating my own. Um, and you know, it just self doubt to me. Um, I've always been a confident person. I always feel like, you know, yes, there's a million things I can't do, but if I work hard enough, like I could probably figure them out eventually. And that's, yeah. that's just how it was. You know, I didn't know anything about really, uh, much of anything. I, I didn't, but I had a lot of people. I went to a local church where a bunch of those people seen me doing my house. They saw the progress. Um, and they said, Hey, you want to do a little project at my house? I mean, I was cheap as can be. So it was like low, low, uh, you know, low cost to them. And I was learning experience. I did a lot of stuff basically for nothing at those early stages. Cause I didn't have a lot of, uh, liabilities in my life you know
0: yeah and, and that's a cool thing about a lot of people especially whether they're they're in something that involves you know the a dedication to hard work or in the creative field where a lot of people who've been in the game for a long time they have really high overhead and they have to clear they have to get a clear a pretty big nut every month just to kind of stay in business but you're bringing the same value but you can you can charge less Talk a little bit about kind of when you kind of built the confidence to know, I think I can actually make a hard pivot. And this can go from something where you're doing on the weekends, helping out people in your church, to I think I'm gonna bail on the IT thing and actually make this my own business.
1: You know, it's crazy because when I did this, it was oh seven, was when I made the the transition and it was right in that economic downturn. Nobody was building houses, nobody was really doing much in that market, but I think it helped me because hey, there's this guy who's pretty cheap, um, and we know him. He, I mean, this is a rural community. Everybody knew who I was, so they knew that I was a, a good, trustworthy person, and they knew that I was going to do my best. They took risks on me, and I think I had one job. It was a siding job. I was going to side uh, this customer's house. I'd never done like a whole house siding job before, and i just took it on i think i got my brother to help me on a saturday like do some some work but for the most part i just kind of you know made it happen i i i kind of was you know strategic with how i did it by myself so that i could handle you know big pieces of siding and it was a lot of work but i remember telling my wife i think it was after i got paid like the first time yeah for this side job that was like my first real job and i remember saying like i I could do this. We could take a vacation like every month based on how much money I just made compared to working for the man and and have to work like 40 50 hours a week like you know I realized that I could go bust my tail and get stuff done and you know if I told a customer it was going to be 10,000 bucks for this job Well, it was, it was my decision or my, you know, work ethic that was going to determine what kind of profits actually came out of that because I had to be efficient. You know, I had to do quality work and efficient.
0: At at what point did it go from having that kind of epiphany about Mm -hmm. like, man, just working side jobs, I can hustle up enough and, and, and and develop a reputation to be like, okay, I'm going to actually start a business, rural renovators, and I'm going to quit my job and go all in Tell me, tell me like when that was like the, the, it became apparent, like this is the move yep. and how did you overcome kind of the fear that anyone in that position, no matter what the industry is, is like, dude, am I doing the right thing? Did you ever second guess yourself too? I, my wife could probably
1: tell this story better than me, but she always reminds me that we were laying in bed one night and she was pregnant and I rolled over and told her that I'm quitting my job and I'm going to be a contractor, and I'm going to start my own business. And she, you know, she trusts me. She believed I could do it. She still thought I was a little crazy. I remember she tells me now that she told her mom that I was quitting my job. She thought I was crazy. And it was kind of like, you know, I don't know what to say other than I'd never doubted myself. Hmm. Because, you know, failure to me um, was never the option. I didn't really have that option because I wasn't going back into it. I didn't have another degree. Um, I wasn't going to go work at some fast food restaurant because that just not me. I needed, I needed like that success and and fulfillment. So I knew that I just had to show up. Um, the thing that I heard from everybody that usually hired me for these first couple side jobs was, you know, we've been looking for a contractor we can't get anybody to call us back you know or the people that do call us back they give us these crazy numbers and i don't trust them and so it was kind of like well i i think i can just be a good person and i'm going to get work it seems like just by being a good person without yeah. a skill set and you know that's that's really how i started i don't think from the day i started there was ever maybe more than a day or two between jobs where i didn't have something to do and that was yeah. usually because of a schedule not because there wasn't work
0: yeah well well what's interesting is like at somewhere along the line you know you started you know i'm assuming just on your phone just kind of started filming things and kind of you know providing resources for people who may be interested in in you know developing the skill set that the right. you know, the opportunity to develop you know fast forward you have almost half a million YouTube subscribers? Yeah, almost. Yeah, crazy. And, and almost as many on Instagram too, right?
1: Like 300. I just cracked 300, yeah.
0: So so tell me about that point too where you're like, okay, I'm 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 going all in. I'm I'm going to leave the the career that I went to school for and you know, you're going to pursue building and contracting and and you know, a real relational business. And suddenly you figure out a way to scale that because you can, instead of just touching the people you can go do a handshake with, right. hundreds of thousands of people are interested in what you have to say and kind of learning your technique. Tell me about when you started kind of creating content and when it started picking up momentum.
1: So in '07, I mean, Facebook had just probably, you know, gotten started. I think, I think that yeah. was, I graduated in 0- 05 and, uh, I remember opening a Facebook account, but not using it. Uh, But I think once Instagram came around, uh, I think it was about 2016, I think it was about 2016 that I started posting on Instagram. And really what it boiled down to was selfishly, I wanted people that were following or people that were local to me that could find, you know, when they did a search on the internet, because I was techie, I knew, you know, I needed an internet presence. I just wanted them to be able to see my product, my team, my process, who I was, what we looked like, how we kept our job sites clean. I just wanted to share that so that when I got a phone call, I wasn't trying to sell myself. Like it yeah. was already a done deal. you know and And so that's all it started out to be. I just I never expected to get a thousand followers. You know I just thought, I'm going to do this. I'll have a place on Instagram so people can go look at pictures of my jobs that I've completed. And I'll have a Facebook account, you know, whatever. It kind of took off after about, I think in that first year, Instagram, you know, blew up to like 100,000, maybe somewhere in that. And I found that it was it was really enjoying or it was really enjoyable to share some tip or a trick or a way of doing things that was second, second nature to me. I mean, I've just been doing it. And people to be like, oh my gosh, I've never seen that. Like, I've been in the trades for 40 years. It was old people, young people. It didn't matter. People just, you know, nobody knows it all. I don't know it all. I learn new stuff every day. And social media gave me a way to share my knowledge. Um, And once again, selfishly, I'll say, my hope was I wanted people to understand what post-frame construction was. Because I know we haven't talked about it yet on the show. I'm a post-frame contractor. So I'm not a typical Stick frame home builder that you see, you know, we specialize in post frame, which is a little bit different. It's larger timbers, it's more spaced out. Typically, you're going to see them in barns, but people think of those types of projects negatively. They think they're cheap, they're not going to last long. Um, And you know what? Traditionally, that's pretty correct. But I wanted to change that industry. I wanted people to see it as more of a high end potential with the right methods and materials. And so I started being able to use use uh, social media to share that and show that. And uh, yeah, man, the motivation to keep going is not followers, you know? Yeah. It's it's young people specifically that reach out to me and say, hey man, I'm 17. I've never even heard of Post Frame, but I've been following you for three months and that's what I want to do for the rest of my life. This looks amazing.
0: Yeah. Well, I think, I think that the question that a lot of people would ask is, is how you figured out a way to cut through the noise. Because a lot of people will utilize social media for, you know, they w- they want to get exposure, whether it's kind of a specialized kind of skill set like, you know, post-frame contracting or, you know, whether it's someone kind of in the creative industry that wants their reel to be seen or, you know, a musician. So, what do you think you tapped into that was able to cut through the noise? Because we live in the, you know the an era of there's an ocean of content being posted every day, and yet you found a way to get this loyal audience that's constantly growing, that's very interested in what you're doing. What do you think some of the 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 things that you did were that was able to kind of cut through the noise on across platforms?
1: I've often asked myself that question many times because to me, I'm doing a very simplistic task for the most part when I started, um, there's nothing, nothing crazy. I see these people posting these, you know, pictures and videos from their $5 million houses. They're building people that are just extravagant. And I'm over here posting a 40 by 60 workshop that I built a farmer and putting it on YouTube and getting, you know, 5 million views. I, I think that the simplicity, the, um, the basic nature kind of just the, uh, the aura around, uh, I guess I think everybody wants one of these types of buildings in their backyard. Like if you're a, a guy who has tools, who has a car, um I've never met anybody, told them what I did, showed them what I did, and then they didn't say, "Wow, I would love to have one of those in my yard if I had the room." And so I think that there's a lack of content surrounding this simplistic thing because it probably seems too simplistic to to post. Um but people just you know, really eat it up. And I think just the timing and the fact that it's such a niche thing. Yeah. I was the only guy doing post-frame, man. There's nobody else putting videos up about post-frame.
0: Yeah. How much, I feel like the other thing that a lot of people run into when it comes to trying to engage new customers or audiences or just people, they kind of want to expose, you know, their craft to. I feel like one of the issues is a lot of people overthink it. You know, they'll be like, what does the thumbnail need to look like? What's the headline? How do I optimize SEO? Am I following the right people on Instagram? Am I getting follow backs? What was what, what? And I'm sure this is all stuff that you've thought about. But how do you ride the line of being thoughtful on that space without overthinking it and keeping it authentic?
1: Yeah, I think that's always tough, obviously. And I think the initial blow up had me thinking more about it. because. I realized, oh my gosh, like people are actually following me. I need to yeah. be more, you know, I don't know, thoughtful about what I'm doing because this is, you know, I understand that content doesn't go away. It's going to be here forever. It's going to represent who I am. Um, but I'll be honest, since probably, I'd say the last year specifically, maybe year and a half, it's not about keeping up with an algorithm, posting daily. It's it's been more about whatever is more um Whatever's got me just you know kind of excited, and that's kind of where it started. It started with I was just excited to take a picture of my work, share it, and for some reason, people liked those pictures as well. Yeah. Then it moved to videos, and it was like, I love this tool. I want to talk about this tool um, and share it so that other people know that you can use this for this task. And you know, in the middle somewhere, it probably turned into I was trying hard. I wanted to make content that was going to go viral, yeah. uh, but. I realize it actually doesn't have to go viral. I mean, you can literally, you know, very, um, selectively like make content for a niche. And, and if you do that, you know, you're speaking to people that actually care about it. They're going to engage at a higher rate and they're going to stick around a lot longer. If you're making this, you know, this viral content, this ASMR content or something that people just want to stare at, but it brings no value to them. They might follow you, but they're never going to actually engage. They just hit the follow button because it was a cool video, but it's not anything that they actually are learning from. They're not really being, you know, um, they're just not being, I don't know, uh, their emotions aren't being played with, you know? So yeah. you have to really speak to people on what they want to know. And that's by giving them just solid content with good educational information, maybe a little bit of entertainment mixed in and people stick around.
0: Yeah. It's almost like the, the idea of authentic authenticity over algorithm. Like if you, if you're real with people, that seems like what is able to cut through some of the, some of the noise. Kyle, I gotta, gotta ask, has like HDTV come calling yet? I mean, I, oh, someone, multiple
1: times, yeah. multiple times. Yeah. I, 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 my answer is always, if you want to come film my job site, my customer, my rules, <laughs> you can do that. We'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. But you know, I have my own show. That's yeah. the cool thing. It's like I don't have to look at a script. I don't have to follow or fly around the country and go to somebody's house and do a, a show about organization in their, you know, whatever. I mean, those have all been, you know, presented to me over the years. But I always go back to, I don't know, do you know who Jimmy DeResta is? No okay, Jimmy, DeRest is a content creator. I'll just make it quick. He's got over a million subs on YouTube. He's been around for 10 years. They call him like the grandfather of making. He kind of made it cool to make just stuff. Right. Yeah. And he found me on Instagram, had me come to New York, which is halfway across the country to build his workshop where he was going to make, um, you know, have classes and people are going to come to, and that's what started my YouTube career. I wasn't on YouTube at all. He got me to do it and I'd started it. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. What were we talking about?
0: Oh, HDTV. Oh, oh, oh like sorry, call sorry. Yes, it. yeah, yeah.
1: And when I met with Jimmy the first time, and he said, "Kyle, what you're doing on Instagram is awesome. You're going to go to YouTube and you're going to kill it. But people are going to want you to do stuff." And he's like, "You need to remember that on YouTube, like you're your own producer, director, content creator. All of it is yours. It's your story. If you go work for them, you might make a couple dollars." you'll lose like all of your integrity because you won't be who you are. you will be who they want you to be. And I've yeah. never forgot that.
0: Yeah. That's, that's really great advice, especially for a lot of entrepreneurs that find early success. It's like, it's, there's always sort of that easy, almost not an escape hatch, but like, Hey, I could just cash in right now, but you lose what made you successful in the first place, which is right. the authenticity that kind of cut through the noise. Well, well, will we'll jump into the, uh, the lightning round here. And so we have standard questions that we ask everyone from like CEOs to endurance athletes to Navy SEALs. And, um, you know, basically kind of trying to hone in on, on what elite performers know and can, and can provide in terms of like insights and advice for younger listeners. So, uh, Kyle, what's the best advice you've personally ever received?
1: Oh man. I honestly think the best advice is, um, Run for fun and personal best. Now, what that means is basically at track, it was don't ever, don't ever lose sight of like why you're doing it. Like follow the passion and always strive to be better than yourself, not better than others, but be better than yourself. What you were last time.
0: Hmm. That's good. If you could go back twenty years and tell yourself something, what would it be?
1: Probably go to a trade school or a business school and learn um, business, accounting, taxes.
0: Hmm. Do you feel like you know? Traditional college versus whether it's the trade school or kind of a specialized training, do you feel like that's something that more people should consider? Because I feel like growing up, you it's always kind of pounded in your head: go to college, get your degree. Do you feel like more people should consider kind of trade schools and specialty uh, uh, education?
1: Yeah, I think one hundred percent. I think teachers, my wife being a principal, you know, we've had this conversation. I think you can you can very easily pick out kids that are meant for higher education you know they just don't fit the mold of school yeah Uh, that does not mean they won't be successful man if you go into the trades you can be extremely successful people just need to be um less ignorant about that fact and that starts with i think educating them on the possibilities versus you got to go get an office job that's what i was that's what i was told man
0: yeah yeah that's what a lot of us were told And, and i feel like you know uh yeah you know, millennials. I'm assuming you're, are, you're in the millennial kind of, you know, spectrum. Thirty seven. Dim- what does that mean? I don't yeah, know. you're right there. You're right at the yeah, I'm like we're on the edge. Yeah, we're the we're, we're the same age. But I feel like that's what you know. We're our generation's most indebted generation in history when it comes to just carrying financial debt because I feel like a lot of us got that advice, even if it didn't suit every personality. Right. Um. Kyle, what is one thing you think a person should do every single day?
1: Um. Oh. I think you hug, your, hug and kiss your loved ones. I mean, that's literally, you know, really why I do what I do is, is for that. And it's so simple. Just, just be, you know, loving to the ones that deserve your love.
0: Yeah, that's good. And easy to lose sight of sometimes, especially when you're kind when of- When you're busy and working. Yeah. yeah. Yep. What is the attribute every leader should seek to foster in themselves?
1: Ooh, I think persistence, man. I think that it's so easy to get down and you know lose sight of what you're doing. But if you just keep keep moving forward towards whatever that goal is, whether you have one or not, moving forward, the persistence is what you need.
0: Hmm, That's good. Is there any sort of leadership resource, like podcasts, or just kind of like mentorship relationships that you've sought throughout? You know, kind of your years, just to kind of glean insights from people who've kind of walked that path before. You
1: know, I. I was fortunate to you know work for a a pretty strong leader. When I did have that job in IT, my boss was a really good leader. He had great qualities, great organizational qualities that I would strive to have. I would love to have. And um, you know, I've had other people like just honestly, my dad, my father-in-law. They're both their traits are what I think. If I put them together, the types of traits that you just don't fail. You know, like you put these certain traits together, you're deemed you're gonna have success.
0: Now, what's the best way to stay disciplined in the pursuit of your passions?
1: That's tough. There's a ton of distractions these days. Um, I mean, uh, my biggest thing is you just have to be, once again, persistent. You can't um like when I have to do edit a YouTube video, when I need to get a bid done for a client, I have to put stuff away and you have to just, you know, do it. And I am not the best at that. I have ADHD. I think, um, that's what my wife tells me. I'm not good at focusing on one task, but, um, I am good at knowing when that time comes where I have another option. And then it's, you just have to do it.
0: What would you say to a young listener who's hearing this and feeling really inspired, who wants to go out and make their own impact on the world, but they just don't know where to get started?
1: Honestly, I get this question a lot. And my my best answer, because there is no perfect answer, because um, if you don't know what you're going to do, you know, you don't know what you're going to do, but that's kind of the beauty of it. That means you don't have anything funneling you towards something that you, you maybe are going to end up like me, not wanting to do. Like you, If you're young, do whatever is inspiring you. I always say that when my passion dies for what I'm doing, when I stop being passionate about uh, building post frames... I'll, I'll pivot. I'll find something else because I find that the passion for what you're currently doing is like the only thing that really motivates me to, uh, do my best. And I think intrinsically, if I'm not doing my best, I'm not happy.
0: Yeah. All right. So, so this is the, the, the last question that we, that we ask every guest on our show and we ask them to issue a one week challenge to our listeners. And this could be a different thing every day. It could just be the same thing every day for a week. But if you could issue a one week challenge to everyone listening right now, what would that one week challenge be?
1: Oh wow. That's a that's a really tough question, man. That was a surprise. Um hmm. one week, do this every day for one week. You know, I think the biggest thing that like was hard for me to get motivated to do, uh, but has now become uh second nature. And I think a big part of just feeling good about myself is working out. Mm-hmm. So I work out Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I lift some weights. And even though I'm, I'm physical all the time in my job building stuff, I find that it helps me from, you know, not getting hurt as much because I'm actually balanced. Yeah. Uh, and then I ride my bike a lot. So I would say if you could just do something, maybe it's go for a walk, the endorphins that come from enter, you know, energizing your body and, and working it up and getting the blood flow, they can spur motivation to do just about anything. You know, if you're sitting around all day, it's really hard to be motivated. So.
0: Yeah, that's great, man. That is, you know, that's one thing a lot of people come back to, uh, over and over again is especially people who have neglected it for a while and maybe got away from working out and they're like, man, I need this in my life. It really
2: is a centering thing. Agree. What a story. I You know, the funny thing, we were just talking about this prior, is Kyle's the reason, guys like Kyle are the reason why this podcast exists because we work with so many incredible people and tell so many stories. You'll be seeing a story from Kyle come out from Mechanicsware that we've done, um, and it's two minutes. But in two minutes, oftentimes, you can't get all the content that people need to hear from these folks. So he is one of the reasons why this podcast exists. So he can do a long form conversation with him and really hear his story and what sets him apart. And he's just an incredible person. So Ryan, what were some of the key takeaways that you got from this?
3: Yeah. the, The first one is that if you know anything about the building industry and Kyle talks about this when in, in the interview in 2006, 2007, when he got into it, it was a desert. Nobody wanted to get in. In fact, so many people were getting out whether they wanted to or not. And he, he saw an opportunity. He was in a different industry and saw an opportunity to do things right, do things better than anybody else was doing it, in some cases doing something that no one else was doing, period, and took the leap of faith and went all in on it 100%, and it's paid, paid off big for him. And he has a reputation that now is just indicative of the quality of work he does, which is awesome. He's killed it.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's great, man. Um, you know, the other thing is <clears throat> integrity for him. Yeah. You know, because we've had numerous conversations with him to this day, he doesn't use contracts. It's a handshake deal. Yes yeah. is a yes, is no is a no. Small town business, yet it's uh, something that's missing today. It's not being done today. It's actually unheard of. First time he told me he doesn't even do contracts. I was pretty floored. He, I mean, he's got hundreds of builds. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's booked out through for right. a year more,
3: yeah. and that doesn't come overnight. You're not. You're gonna. I mean, there's probably a a very small handful of people that can still get away with doing large projects on handshake deals.
2: And it's really just him and his buddy.
3: Yeah. It's crazy. And their product reviews are great. They, they do a really good job of telling their story. And I think, and this is another one of my takeaways. I think the thing he does the best is that he comes across as, and I'm assuming that he's this way naturally, but he comes across as so genuine and people are starving for that. People really are wanting to grab hold of something genuine and it, it shows in their follower base because, to his point, the content's pretty simple. He's filming his day-to-day job, swinging a hammer or cutting certain you know types of sheet metals and things like that. It's not particularly sexy
2: content, but it comes across as genuine, and people love it. He's having fun doing it. He's educating the viewers on on what he's doing, yep. and uh, because of that, it's it's something you're drawn to. So, what are those three things? So we we talked about he had the courage to take the plunge because he
3: identified an opportunity. Number two was the fact that he has high integrity, which allows them to basically get away with just handshake deals on contracts. And then the third thing was that he comes across as extremely genuine and, and that has helped him grow his audience. And he's educating viewers to your point, And people are just sucked into that because they are, our society needs something that they can hold on to as being genuine.
2: Yeah. And and I'll just go back to that first one. Um is he took the plunge. He had a great job. He had a very yeah. great it, it great is in a secure job. Yeah. He was making good money and it was secure. And he had that security and he wasn't fulfilled. Yep. And it's not about money. It's really not. And people, you know, need to understand that it's not about money. Money buys convenience, but it sure doesn't buy happiness. Now It'll Buy You a Boat, like that song. Yeah, it's true. There are some things that come with it. But uh, he's a prime example of someone who just per- pursued his passion, enjoyed it, enjoyed sharing that, and then developed it into something that he can actually earn yeah. well on. Yeah. So uh, just a great podcast. Kyle, we thank you for being a part of the podcast. And listen, uh, make sure you subscribe, you comment, and follow us on Instagram at This Is Ironclad and YouTube at This Is Ironclad. Thanks again, guys.